0: Welcome back to the Industrial Automation Insider. I'm Will Korns, the Senior North American Sales Manager for Fixed Industrial Scanning and Machine Vision Solutions. I thought it would be good to sort of audit different industries in terms of automation progress and overall technology investments. So we know automation can introduce critical efficiencies during economic slowdowns and periods of high demand. And there's no doubt that technology innovation, or perhaps I should say Greater technology utilization is going to be key to restabilizing supply chain, repairing relationships with partners and customers, and restoring confidence in one's capabilities to deliver quality products on time. But how exactly technology and automated processes will facilitate much-needed change is still up for debate. That's why I asked Zebra's global futurist, Drew Ellers, to join me today, along with Scott Drobner. Zebra's senior director of business and market intelligence. These two have a strong pulse on the state of the world and the pressures being placed upon businesses and the people keeping them afloat. They understand the pain you're feeling, the high hopes you have for future and the reality of the road ahead. Just as important, they spent their days analyzing and advising on intersections of business, technology and consumer trends so let's level set on the role technology is playing in businesses survival and success today, and how easy or hard it will be to automate at the level needed to really see a benefit to your businesses. drew and Scott, thanks for being here.
1: Thanks for having us. thanks for having us.
0: It, guys, every organization in the public and private sector has seen trust erode in the in their operation, and no one on earth today is saying. You know, we survived the last few years unscathed, uh, us included, right? We are all in the same boat. We're just trying to ride the waves of change that come with economic volatility, public health crises, natural disasters, and natural evolution, right? As consumer preferences change, so must the companies serving them. So my question to the two of you is, what trends are swirling right now that warrant closer attention by companies? Um, you know, and and to take that a little bit further, what's happening in the broader world besides the obvious inflation and supply chain issues that could impact businesses' ability to meet customer demands and financial targets in the next 12 months. You know, easy easy softball question right out of the gate.
1: Yeah, I think, you know, as as we look at kind of the broader implications of what's going on, I mean, there's so many challenges out there and I think it's really about taking a really step back and looking at your your operation and then, you know, looking what your peers are doing uh, within your segmentation. And I, and I also think reaching across the aisle, you know, whether if you're a manufacturer, reaching across the aisle and saying, hey, what are some retailers doing too to kind of help solve some problems? I think we're kind of all in this together. And if you look at, you know, past the obvious inflation and supply chain issues. I think it's just overall getting a good visibility for your operations and the movement of goods. Uh, I've seen a lot of focus on that, um, you know, over the last 12 months. And I also think that, you know, if you look at that kind of challenge of just getting visibility of what you have out there, what's work in progress from a manufacturing point of view, from a supplier standpoint, um, you know, all the way through the continuum of the supply chain thing. I, I think just basic visibility is a good starting point.
0: Yeah. Getting your finger on the pulse. And like you said, visibility is, is a
2: great starting point. What, what do you have to say, Scott? Yeah. No, I mean, I think the visibility piece, you know, how you can get more of your working capital, um, is pervasive. I mean, if you look at it from a retailer perspective, because you know, the retail, Industry and the, and kind of sort of the broader, um, e-commerce supply chain, which includes manufacturing and TNL. I mean, you could measure the inability for them to have visibility directly in in their profitability, right? So they've had, you know, there's been so much, you know, pandemic driven dynamics, which have impacted them, right? And that's, that's driving investments in frontline and back of the house operations but the productivity remains suboptimal and, 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 and all of that is, is really due to, you know, four key factors, right? And then it's a good lens into how it impacts the other industries. They're missing sales opportunities because they don't have the, the proper inventory positioning. You know, they're spending too much in fulfillment. They got these excessive fulfillment costs. They're managing a slew of kind of sort of independent cost of supply chains. and. The big macro hit around, you know, kind of returns, excessive return volumes and processing costs. Um, all of these are, you know, in driven to the fact to they need a kind of sort of better lens in terms of how their operations are running. And it manifests itself directly in margin and top line. And I think it's a good kind of sort of lens into how some of the industries, um, should, should weather this, uh, this dynamic. Uh, it,
0: I, I love it. Let's let's dive into that just a little bit more, and and let's take a look at it from what cyclical demands are are going on. So, uh, you know, issues causing cyclical demand growth and sub, subsequent downturns right now, right? So the the bullwhip effect is not just something retailers are experiencing, and and it's really what what the industry is experiencing in whole. What sort of factors are playing into that and, and what's so that we can spotlight the lens on it? What, what sort of factors do we need to look at now versus 24 months from now?
1: Well, I think it's, it's kind of a play on what Scott was talking about, right? Which is, you know, understanding what you have, what you have in progress from a capital perspective, but also the placement of inventory to make sure you have you're meeting the demand in the different areas that you're serving. And I think that, you know, for, for decades, you know, people were forecasting and planning in a linear nature. Right. And I think that now that (laughs) the last three three years, I mean, if I was a supply chain planner, I would be pulling every last hair out of my head that my seven and 10 year old haven't made me lose already. (laughs) And thinking about, you know, how can I more, um, Planning and an agile, while well. they're they're calling it scotastic planning and forecasting, being able to take in all those inputs that Scott just described, those four pillars, and be able to understand, hey, this is what I have on hand, this is what I have in process for my different suppliers or my manufacturing plants, and here's the best place to to place that inventory, and oh by the way, because now you know if I'm a retailer and sixty percent of my business is now e comm uh, because people have have found that you know going into brick and mortar is not what they want to do all the time, although seven out of ten shoppers are going back into brick and mortars today there 's a lot of high return rates, so being able to understand that that 's now a consistent workflow that I need to handle, but I also need to handle it uh, expeditiously because if I hit if i 'm a soft goods retailer and i 've got a thirty four percent return rate and it just happens to be. Right, right up on the shoulder season where I'm going to be changing seasons and some of that stuff is going to be have to mark down. The way that I handle those returns have visibility of those returns that are coming in and then being able to resell those, those returns. If they're in good condition, they're being able to be sold in different areas, knowing the demand where they're going to be resold, depending upon the good is going to be critical in nature. So again, I think the baseline is, is visibility that you have from a a business decision-maker to break that cycle. So, you know, you've got certain things around RFID. You've got, you know, if you got returns coming in or using machine and computer vision to to recognize that, take the human subjectivity out of it to understand that that good is able to resold and get it out right away. Because, you know, getting a higher price, which will affect top line, which Scott was referring to earlier, but also the bottom line from a margin degradation perspective, if they get that out before the shoulder season hits and they don't have to mark it down, you know, they could get a higher price for that that volume that they're getting returned back versus having to mark it all down, uh, which could be the difference between a profitable month and a non-profitable month. So I think, you know, having that visibility, understanding, you know, your new workflows and really focusing on how do I get the right stuff in the right place at the right time and make sure that there's not too much of it.
2: Yeah, the piece that I, well, the piece that I find most interesting is the, um, you know, we can use the retail example because, you know, you know retailers have, you know, such, um, difficult margin structures, right? And, and, you know, missing a quarter, missing a season is, 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 is awful. But, you know, if you look at the rising importance of, of traceability across so many different industries that we generally didn't talk about, right? I mean, we talk about the adoption of, of, you know, machine vision and RFID and food and beverage, right? We talk about the growth of, um, you know, medical related applications that are generally tied to, you know, counterfeiting of drugs or lower production costs. Or you talk about the growth of, of yeah. auto manufacturing and EV production. I mean, a lot of the, the interesting kind of sort of visibility dynamics that are happening in, in, in retail are now so similar. Um, you know, we, you know, we went through an exercise where we're looking at all of the items that need to be tracked, you know, and, and we and we look at early use cases like apparel of having RFID tracked in apparel and the apparel market is 80 billion units. That sounds like a lot. And we, we've been able to RFID enable 15% of that. But the number of items in food and drink um, packaging is Three trillion. Yeah. So you think about how much larger that is. So the auto parts market is 600 billion. So it's just, you know, we've actually only been able to kind of sort of get visibility into less than one percent. So I just think it's just really interesting now that all these other industries are kind of sort of grappling with, um, you know, how do I look more like retail? Um, because they've cracked the code a little bit. And then we still talk about all the struggles that they have.
1: Yeah, and I think you bring up a good point, Scott, right? Because if you think about food and beverage uh in general, I mean, it's also securing the supply chain, too. You know, not, not only do you want it, you know, to be able to trace it, but also, you know, to, to know the health of it, right? To make sure that the temperature, the humidity, depending upon what the product is, that that good is going to be good there when it gets consumed. And I think that, you know, that, that's definitely a baseline for food and beverage. I think that that, you know, as you look at traceability legislation that's going on, uh, with food safety modernization act, you got China 2025 that's coming down the pipeline from the supply chain perspective and pharmaceutical, you know, ha- having those different, uh, layers of sensors, um, that are giving you the, uh, right, right way to audit in real time, but also know that when those things are delivered, what condition they're in is going to be critical
2: as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and I think one advantage Zebra has in it, advising other businesses, and that's what you guys are, are identifying here, is that we, we build devices that collect the data. We also build software solutions that can help analyze that data and output uh, something that, that our partners or our customers can, can utilize and help run their businesses more efficiently and, and that becomes very challenging, right? Because before we used to rely on a lot of relationships and, and, and that's how, uh, things would, would, would get done. But now we have, um, we have to go beyond those relationships. We have to actually use the technology and deploy that. And, and as we start to get into more of the labor force issues that we see, the supply and demand imbalances and shipping bottlenecks and more, um, how are we leveraging what we have to to help our our customers and our partners out with that?
1: Well, I think we're we're presenting them with a lot of options, right? I mean, you know, having over ten thousand partners that you know, uh, and over three thousand that are independent software vendors. I mean, they're writing applications on kind of that IoT instrumentation that that we're displaying, right? And I think that they're they're now looking at it from an outcome perspective to understand, hey, from a maturity curve, what what is the customer trying to accomplish? And, you know, if you if you go back to Scott's example around food and beverage and food safety, you know, there's very specific applications around there that are using the instrumentation of the IOT layer in the environment, whether it's RFID, whether it's, you know, uh, temperature sensing and and taking all that intelligence. And then also, you know, uh, from a from a QA perspective, right, absence and presence from machine and computer vision with with Mat- Matrox and Fizz uh, V portfolio and really figuring out how, how can one, we make sure that those things happen, but two is that the data is delivered so that they understand is this good or not? And so that we're dialing down the noise too from, from all the different data that's being collected. And it's really focused on the outcome that the customer wants. And I think that that's. The combination of Zebra, our partner ecosystem, and then really clearly identifying what that outcome is and driving towards that uh, is really the way that I think is shifting that, you know, one that can help really face those tough business issues today, but also down the road, you know, for, for what they're planning for over the few years. And I think it's really just reflecting upon where they're at in the maturity curve and then figuring out what are their outcome prioritizations to solve for.
2: Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, we, we, you know, of the, a lot of folks will call this, um, you know, uh, industrial IoT or, you know, industry 4.0, right? The fourth industrial revolution. And, uh, what's interesting mm-hmm. is Zebra's really been a part of, uh, you know, a, much of the last, uh, kind of sort of two revolutions, right? And, you know, so you think about, you know, what's, what's, what, what some of those growth drivers are, right? You have smart machines, inventory systems, you know, production machinery, you know, all, you know, considerably improving industrial processes, right, and throughout the whole value chain. And that's been something that Zebra's been a part of for some time. The piece that I find most interesting is that you now see the kind of sort of confluence of these pieces together. So the increasing use of robotics and the demand for flexible manufacturing, increasing demand for machine vision and you know, traditional AIDC products and AIDC markets. So, um, I think it's, um, it's, it's almost like we were a little bit of ahead of our time. Um, and now that we're in the fourth phase of this, I think we have a pretty good vantage point uh, about how we, uh, we see the world.
0: Yeah. Well, we know automation is no longer a future amb- ambition. It's a survival tactic at this point, right? So, um, but many people say that figuring out which tool will give them everything they need to need now and as conditions change this is essentially a guessing game uh they can't anticipate the future so they they don't feel like the investments they make are a sure bet
2: yeah and- i mean we have our, yeah i mean we we have our visions our warehouse vision study which is you know a great um you know it's a great lens into how and if anyone hasn't seen that it's a a, a kind of a broader you know, five year view about where the warehouse will be in five years based on feedback from warehouse decision makers. Um, and there's no one size fits all. I mean, you know, they assume that RFID will go from 30% penetration to 90%. You know, they're looking at fixed industrial scanning, machine vision, um, you know, temperature sensing, mobile dimensioning, BLE. All of them are expected to see huge leaps from 20%, 30% penetration to the nineties. Um, so, you know, I think there's an assumption that there's no one size fits all, um, but there's a multitude of different technologies that can kind of sort of scratch the edge.
0: Yeah. And, you know, what I've noticed with Zebra is we make good investments into how we can utilize a lot of those the singular solutions into a a more global solution, right? So utilizing something like a machine vision with temp time to show that a color is changing on, on the temp time. That way you don't need a person to be there. Uh, They can actually identify when that changed or uh, how it changed in the different environments that that it happened in. Uh, It's just one example, right? We do the same thing with fetch collaboration with fixed industrial scanning machine vision and, RFID to say, hey, these, these items are, we know where they are within four walls, but are they in good quality? Is that box damaged? Was it, uh, properly dimensioned before it it left, uh, to, to mitigate what I think Drew said earlier, which was, uh, to give more visibility into, um, that, that side of, um, the, uh, where where things are in 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 space so that um you know like the three pls can uh say hey it wasn't it wasn't me that damaged the box it was actually you know uh downstream or last mile delivery or or uh provide that that quantitative data
1: yeah i i, I totally agree with you And i think that you know there's a lot of commentorial value which i think is what you're you're pointing at which is an excellent point i think you know as is, is you look at you know what what zebra provides today, you know the acquisitions that we've made in 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 automation and fix your industrial scanning um you know there's a lot of commentorial value there and i and I you know not only that between our partners as well that that specify in certain workflows and then we also have seventeen different venture companies that we also have commentary value. I know you know as you as you think about a a system view, you know if you start looking down the road. You know, over the years, I mean, people are going to start deploying more systems that that you were just talking about. And I think that, you know, if you look at, you know, uh, smart cameras, uh dumb cameras, depending upon what you're trying to drive from an outcome perspective, there's a commentary of value between automation with AMRs, uh, robotic arms with, you know, one of our venture portfolio companies such as Plus One, where you can automate those workflows. But at the same time, you're also driving the intelligence from a data point of view from, from an audit compliance inspection perspective that can all happen within one system view so that as you kind of look at your environment, you can build, you know, different parts of that automation depending upon where you're, you're driving that in your environment. You know, whether it's from the, you know, when you're receiving the goods in, as we were mentioning before with the retail example and the shoulder example where, you know, it's going to be a little bit slower as you're receiving things in. Then as you move closer and you're, you're trying to either get that stuff out from a a new good perspective or a return perspective, the the speed's going to get faster. Then as you're going towards the, the outbound, you know, you're starting to slow down a little bit and you've got things in place such as autonomous forklifts, uh, AMRs, floor bots, you know, that are all working in a concerted effort. And I think it's a, an orchestrated workflow as we start to put these systems together. And it's really about the company and the customer's ability to absorb. Um, those different workflow changes, and then the change management behind it, I think that you know one of the key things that 's been struck, and I know we haven 't brought it up i 'm shocked we haven 't brought it up yet is that that word called labor right, which is causing everybody uh, a lot of pause, a lot of reflection, um but also hey, what are we going to do with this uh, because there's 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 flat out just not enough people that want jobs that are are doing the manual workflows today so Automation is no longer a choice. It's it's when I'm going to deploy it, where I'm going to deploy it, and how I'm going to
2: deploy it. Yeah, I mean, we we yeah, we track these. Uh, you know, I, the case that I find you know the most interesting is you know we kind of sort of track ourselves against these bigger megatrends, right? Which is um you know generally around you know and we measure them right. Their quantitative nature around you know automation is the footprint of the warehouse, and digitization is the growth of sensors, and monetization is e-commerce, and on demand economy you could measure through logistics but um and, and all of these are growing at pretty fast clips and Feel pretty comfortable with our tracking the challenges, but probably one of the best quotes that I've seen that talks about this is from you know one of our leading Tidal customers is that automation is critically important to deliver service to our customers and to, to drive productivity. So it's it's really not just kind of sort of I think the point around it's not just using it to it kind of sort of supplants it's using it to really uh, to kind of sort of drive the confluence of those different uh, those those factors that are driving tremendous change. So I feel like we're in the right spot here from a challenges and a trend perspective.
0: Yeah. And I think that that's a great segue into my last question here, gentlemen is, is what can business leaders do to mitigate the risks and be ready for a future disruption, either from a technology perspective or, or maybe some insight that you guys have for running businesses and what to look out for.
2: I mean, I'll take a quick one and then you can take the longer one. I think it's, you know, one of the best quotes that I've seen from Bill Gates is everyone's so focused on what's going to happen uh, kind of sort of 10 years out and they don't know what's going to happen in the next two years. And they lull themselves into an action just because they're not sure what to do. My my feedback would be lean in, um, you know, research, identify it, and don't lull yourself into an action because these things happen um, not 10 years out. They happen kind of sort of two years out.
1: Yeah, I, I completely agree with Scott. I mean, no one's got a crystal ball that's going to hit 10 years out. I mean, I think the disruption's here now. It's been here for three years, right? I mean, before, before COVID hit, everybody was looking at inventory management and, you know, just looking at that from an in-store execution perspective. You know, no one's really looking at that anymore. They, they, they need baseline visibility. They need to look at what's on the horizon for the next two years of what, tr- what they're trying to solve for to either compete, can, to keep a competitive advantage get a competitive advantage or or catch up and i think the the next 2 years are critical for a lot of different businesses of what they're going to do i think the labor constraints uh over the next 2 or 3 years are going to remain constant and i think that you know a lot of people are going to be deploying automation in different ways uh whether that's you know from an inspection point of view quality assurance uh, or just overall automating workflows uh within an environment I think that people are going to be doing those in an aggressive way over the next two years. And I think that as people look at that, focusing on that will make them a lot more solid. And, you know, what comes in 23 and 24, you know, they can start planning for because they've now handled or mitigated some of the disruption that's a, that's happened over the last three years. But I think Scott's dead right that, you know, don't look too far out on the horizon, you know, really focus on the now because, There are a lot of companies that have made moves over the last three years and even previous to three years that where people were really the leaders in the category. And I think that is, as you look at the peer sets, um, you know, don't just look at the folks that you're competing against, but reach across the aisle and look to see what other people are doing too, because people are moving at a fast pace and there's a lot of best in class uh, peers that they can look at from a, you know, a study perspective, but also how they can then bring those back into their organization. And create that competitive advantage or, you know, dismeterate a, a mitigation of a disruption that they're experiencing.
0: Yeah, I agree with both of you gentlemen. And um, what I'm seeing is as we even have a, a downturn in the market, right? Maybe a little correction. Uh, companies need to, to automate. And this is, you know, Scott, where maybe, you know, where you said don't leap into action, but utilize data to, to push you in a direction that. That is going to make good business decisions. Don't just feel like you needed to make a decision. I think the decision that a lot of companies are going to have to make is, is not to automate or not to automate or not to invest or, or, you know, invest or not invest where they're going to hold cash as investing in the correct technology that's going to help them leverage their business and get the data analytics that they need to drive their business forward. Now, you know, just me, I, I think there, are, uh, we mentioned, you know, autonomous forklifts and autonomous mobile robots and and some other things, but just having that quantitative and qualitative data from fixed industrial scanning, machine vision, RFID, um, it, those those things will allow uh, the the better utilization of labor force. It will allow, allow that that data to be utilized to make you know on time business decisions. So, um, any last words on on that?
1: No, I, I would say that, you know, as you look at your data journey uh, that you were just talking about, I think that, you know, you, you've got these different horizons, right? You've really got about reflective analytics, which basically says, hey, here's what happened. Then you look at, you know, kind of the, the dashboard reports that says, why did it happen? Um, you know, most people really need to fast forward into, um, you know, really looking at prescriptive analytics. Um, And then, you know, understanding, hey, here's what you could do and here's what you should do. And I think that, you know, as you look at the systems that you're going to deploy, being able to orchestrate those workflows, have the visibility and make intelligent decisions about, you know, having a real-time lens or a near real-time lens as you possibly can uh with instrumenting your environment, automating your workflows uh is going to help you be able to make better decisions.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Scott, any, I mean, any, no, yeah. Any yeah. I mean I I don't want to lose sight, you know, in in um downturns, uh upturns, side turns, whatever it may be. You know, there's I think there's three key takeaways. You know, the demand for asset visibility has risen um just because of the sheer amount of volume and chaos that's out there, and that's gonna that's gonna traverse any any anything that happens from a macroeconomic perspective. Um the new e-commerce fulfillment processes that are happening are driving adoption of a whole new slew of different types of ideas and concepts and technologies. E-commerce can moderate, it can slow, it's, it's just not going away. And the whole idea around new use cases and underpenetrated penetrated industries, um, I think of the best examples around, um, uh, you know, bottlers that need to track where their liquor is, and they're using it not to track how the product is doing in the supply but they're using it as a marketing tactic. Or RFID was a um was looked at as a technology to share pure inventory and now it's a way to track security or as a marketing message. I mean, so all these new use cases and under penetrated industries, they're not going where they're growing. So I, I, I'm, you know, bullish on these market opportunities because I think they're longer than this one cycle and they should traverse, um time.
0: Well, gentlemen. Thank you so much for both of your insights and your time today. Uh, really appreciate it. I know our listeners appreciate it. Just having, uh, the, the horsepower and, and the, the clarity from you guys is, is amazing. And thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you have some strong opinions about the trends and recommendations we covered today, or you have questions about how Zebra has either tackled certain issues or helped others do so, reach out to me, Drew, Scott, or your local zebra representative. We'd be happy to continue the conversation. And speaking of continuing the conversation, stay tuned into your, your edge blog and podcast for our next industrial automation insider episode and other commentary from industry experts around the world. We have a lot, a lot of great guests lined up. I'm Will Korns signing off. Thank you, gentlemen.
1: Thank you.